Hello, everybody, and welcome to What Am I Missing, the podcast where I attempt to fill in the gaps of my knowledge through conversations with friends. I'm your host, Brett Walden, and today I am talking to Andy Ransom about Bruce Lee. And as you'll soon hear, it's more than just talking about the actor. It's really talking about the man and his philosophy. Uh, This is one of these episodes that I listen to again and I get excited about. This is the kind of episode and the conversation that this podcast was intended for. Um, It took something that I didn't really know a lot about, but when I learned more about it, I found that I had more in common with this topic than I could have ever thought possible. And every time I've listened to it since, I've learned something else or something else has resonated with me, and I hope that you find something out of this conversation too, and hopefully it leads you to looking more into Bruce Lee and his philosophies and his words and his quotes. And even if you've done this already and you're sort of aware of Bruce Lee, or maybe you're very aware of his career and his teachings, maybe this can inspire you to look at some of the things that he said in a new way. Um, I thank Andy for coming out and suggesting this topic to me, and I'm glad that I picked up on it, and I'm glad that I could share this conversation with you. So hopefully you enjoy it as much as I do. And as always, there's a sneak preview of episode 19 coming out next Monday at the very end of the show. But enough preamble. Let's be water, my friends, with Andy Ransom. Take it away, Anthony. What is it? What are we? What, what are we actually calling this then? Is it just Bruce Lee? Just or is Bruce it... Lee, because I mean, it's about his. It's about his philosophies. <clears throat> it's about his philosophies and like some of his experiences, but it's not so much about. Because when you think of Bruce Lee, you think of, like, oh, he's so physical and like a, like aggro, like he's a physical machine, like a physical specimen that everyone wants to be. Right. But he was like this philosopher and like this like nice guy. And all this other stuff. So just Bruce Lee. Cool. Like the real Bruce Lee, I guess. Maybe. All right. Cool. All yeah. right. Let's do it. Um, here we go. Uh, welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, got a very uh, exciting conversation coming, or at least I think it's going to be. I've been looking forward to this one um, ever since this guy reached out to me. If you check the screen on your... Um, on your, I was going to say iPod. Do we, do people even listen to iPods anymore? If, if you are, good luck. <laughs> but that's why it's called a podcast, right? That's where it came yeah. from. So hopefully you're kicking it old school. You're still listening on your iPod or your phone or whatever it is. Uh, but you can see that I've got Andy Ransom here today, and he's talking about Bruce Lee. Ooh, thanks for having me. I'm yeah, glad man. to be here. Yeah. When you reached out to me and you were like, I'd like to talk about this, I was like, now here's something. <laughs> so it's actually funny because when you... You reached out to people and you were like, hey, I'm looking for topics or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, man, I'm so uninteresting. I would love to go on this podcast, but I have nothing. Mm-hmm. And I text, texted my girlfriend. I'm like, I'm just not, I don't know enough about things to constitute like an expert. Yeah. And my girlfriend's like, I don't know, talk about like budgets or something. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so boring. And then she was like, what about Bruce Lee? And I was like, oh yeah. That thing then, that I love. Yeah. The thing that I've been obsessing about for the past year yeah (laughs) like maybe i should do that well you know what's funny is that you're not alone in that response like um most people when i first ask them to do the show immediately go oh i'm not interesting enough you know and especially now that it's been out for a few months people are like "I'm, i'm certainly not as interesting as some of the people that you've had on and i've learned just to just to say um well just think about it you know and then 
within a day or two, they usually come back and they're like, oh, I thought of something. And I'm like, I knew you would. Yeah, because you just go through your daily life and you're like, oh, wait, this is something I know a lot. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, when this first started, the first five episodes, I was like, I love all of these episodes. <laughs> right. Like, well, rest- thank you. Yeah, like the wrestling one, the Twin Peaks. I was like, oh, Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah. So... So well, yeah, I was like, how can I live up to that caliber? People don't give themselves enough credit is what I'm learning. I and you have to because yeah. it's, you know, every everybody's got their thing. Even if it takes, you know, even if it's, I feel like sometimes it's so ingrained in us that we don't even realize like, oh, this is, this is unique to me. Right. You know, you it's almost like, oh, everybody must be into this or, you know. Right. When you do something right, you don't know you're doing it at all. Yeah. Because it's, it's so special. You're like. This is just what people people know everything about this, right? People know everything about Bruce Lee, <laughs> right? It's nothing. If it came this, if the, if if it's this fascinating to me, it just must be fascinating to everybody. Yeah, but it's not, right? But hopefully, but hopefully now it will be. It will be, and, and I'm excited. And Bruce Lee is definitely something that should be fascinating to everybody because he's more than just this physical specimen that he has this punch called the one inch punch, mm-hmm. where he stands literally one inch away from a person and knocks him across the room. Because he just uses the energy in his body from his feet to his legs to his core and can knock you across the room. He can kill you a bunch of different ways. But yeah. he was also like one of the nicest guys and one of the guys you want to be around. And yeah. all of his philosophies, when he's talking about him, he's, he's, he died when he was 33. So he's talking about him when he's in his mid-20s and 30s. Did and he die that young? Yeah. He died. He, died uh, he had a headache. Somebody gave him a pill and it was an analgesic. And he just went into a coma. He slipped into a coma and he died. It wasn't even like he died bear wrestling off a cliff. Like right. he just, it, not, it wasn't gloriously in battle. Yeah, or it was anything. just it, he took the wrong medicine that he didn't know he was allergic to, and he went into a coma and he died. Oh my gosh! He had a brain aneurysm. But like he was thirty, he was in his mid twenties and thirties when he was doing this, and in the sixties, like he died in uh, nineteen seventy three. Mm-hmm. So, like some of the stuff that he was talking about. Now it's so ingrained and pervasive that you're just like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. Everybody talks like that. That's how everybody is. But back then it wasn't like he was just writing it down for his own personal, personal gain. Right. Yeah. Um, does I, oh God, I don't even know where to start now. <laughs> um, does it, does it come from a, a religion? Does it come from the martial arts? Does it come, or is it just sort of. So it comes from a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, he was definitely, he was definitely a student through and through. He has quotes. He has tons and tons of quotes, um, but uh, he has tons and tons of quotes. And he's never. He always considers himself like if you consider yourself a master, you're you're not. You're a foolish teacher. Like because <laughs> right. nobody can master everything. You can be better than everybody else, but you still need to be learning and you still need to be doing things. Yeah. So when he started out, he came. Um, part of it, I think, his main philosophy, which is the quote, um, "Be water, my friend," uh, and the full quote if I may. Of course. <laughs> uh, be water, my friend. Empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. You put water in a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water in a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put water in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Mm. And that came from, he used to study uh, in Hong Kong and his, sif- his Sifu, his master, one week, he was like, Bruce, you're not, you're not learning it. You're trying way too hard. You're trying too hard. He's like, but I'm doing every, he's like, you're trying too hard. <laughs> Go. Right. He's like, you're suspended. Like, don't come back for a week. And he, he kicked him out of the gym for a week. And he was so distraught and he went on a boat and he was, uh, in the water area, body of water, the lake or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was just on the boat and he was wondering why he was being so rigid and why he couldn't 
just let go and just do things. Right. And what he, what is master meant by like, you're being too much, like you're trying too hard. And he punched the water and he noticed that the water moved, like the water's getting hit, but it flowed around it. And then he sure. tried to grab it and it came through his fingers and he was like, oh, I need to like flow and be like water because water is so strong. Water creates electricity. Water creates, water creates electricity. Water creates, um, like it carved out the Grand Canyon, right. but it's also something that we need to live. And it's also something that if you hit it, it's just like, nope, bye. I'm right. here. <laughs> right. I'm going to go hang out in the, over this side now. Yeah. So, so, so that kind of established this whole thing and that's where he got it from. That's cool. Yeah. It sounds like, so it, it's almost like the, the Sifu was say, it was almost like you're too results oriented. It sounds like he was trying to m- match or, or be the idea of like a final Right. sort of product yeah and he was and that's and he was but it there, there was nothing there was no meaning behind it right and that's what led him to do pretty much the rest of his philosophies he um yeah i can break it down break it down but uh um he was just he studied a lot and he studied for hours on things he was a master of everything even and i again use that word master but he he was in. Well, we can call him master. We can right? call him he master because he's better than I am. So <laughs> right. He'd be my master. He just wouldn't call himself the master. Right. Right. But he, um, yeah, he, anything he enjoyed or anything he thought about, like working out, he like he read books and studied and studied like metabolism and the body and bones and muscle and figured out certain exercises were better than other exercises and he got friends of his to create workout equipment that was specifically designed to isolate those muscles oh cool and he started working out and he was like i'm getting too big i'm not getting enough speed so he changed it up and he read so much into nutrition he read so much into other things and then fun facts he uh he made his own jewelry he made his own jewelry really he was the cha-cha champion of hong kong in 19 when he was 18 years old he was the hong yeah, I got notes in front of me. That's right. Uh, <laughs> he was the cha-cha champion of Hong Kong in 1958 when he was 18. Cha-cha is in like the cha-cha, dance the cha-cha. Dance, yeah. Okay. So he, like, and he was like a really good, cool dude. Like he loved, like if he was around now, like I just would love to see him now because he'd be on Dancing with the Stars. He <laughs> right. Would be, even though he's he's all about self-actualization, mm-hmm. not self-image actualization. So like Instagram and Twitter and things like that, he probably wouldn't be that into them. But he would be into him because, like, he's a cool guy who knows what he's doing. Right. But he's just such, he was just a pleasure to be around, but also would just let his emotions flow through. If he was angry, he was angry because he didn't want to, like, bottle it up and turn it into something else. Right. He would just be angry, but he wouldn't be mean about it. He would just be angry. Right. And, yeah, so. Wow. That's really cool. Um, so you, you had sort of mentioned that you were in trying to think of a topic for this you you were speaking to your girlfriend and and she had mentioned like oh well what about bruce lee and that that so is that sort of a recent thing for you then like getting into yeah so um it came out of like a random occurrence because i was at sack one night and i was talking to somebody Mm -hmm. and i was like yeah bruce lee is like the most dedicated person the most like focused individual and it's it's really inspiring to see somebody that focused and dedicated to everything not even just like working out right like to his family to his uh to his friends to acting to working out to everything and so i was like you know what i want to learn more about him so for the next couple days i was searching like books on bruce lee and it was all like a lot of them were 
uh, Jeet Kune Do, which is his uh, his martial arts philosophy. Mm-hmm. But there were also books like I couldn't find a, a book that was about him. Like I found books about his stuff right. and things that were people were referring to. But it, I was just looking around. I was like, all right, maybe I'll try this or try that. And so I was listening to a podcast. And at the end of the podcast, they always have uh, commercials for other ones. Mm-hmm. And Shannon Lee. Someday. This one will someday. <laughs> yeah. This, <laughs> wait till the end. I'll give you a commercial. Oh, good. <laughs> um, Shannon Lee is his daughter. Mm-hmm. And she was on the commercial. And she was talking about her podcast, which is the Bruce Lee podcast, where they talk about her father and his philosophies. Oh, cool. So I was like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And around that time, so I went to that website and around that time, like I was having like, like existential thoughts, I guess is, I don't want to sound too uppity, but existential thoughts about like faith and what I felt, felt about things. Yeah. And there was an episode on faith and I listened to it and I was like, wow, this is really good. So then I went back and listened to the beginning episodes and I was like, these are amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And like they apply so well to daily life and they apply, they apply so well to improv and Mm -hmm. you do improv. I do improv. Yeah. You do improv better than I do. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) but like a lot, a lot of the things that she was talking about that he said were directly like a direct connection to how you should be in improv and direct connection of how you should be in life. And I was like, this is amazing. So I showed, and I told my girlfriend about it. She listened to a couple episodes and she felt the same way. Like they would say things in the episodes that would pop up in daily life, like the next day or within the same day. Right. And then I started to look around and there's a quote actually at SAC on one of the Bob Costas murals on the front. Mm -hmm. It says, be water, my friend. I'm like, he is everywhere I want to be. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it happened multiple other times. I can't remember the times, but I know there were multiple times when I just went somewhere and somebody said something or there was something on the wall that was Bruce Lee relate, related. Yeah. And it was a place that I wanted to be. And I was like, if he's where I want to be, then I probably want to be listening to what he's saying. Of course. Yeah. Same interest. Well, and it sounds like he kind of tapped into something pretty universal. If, 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 if his philosophies and his words can be applied to, you know, nearly everything. If, if in the time that you learn or listen to something new about him and then literally you're turning around and you're seeing it in action, then clearly he was tapping into something important. And like I said, when he died in 1973, that's, I don't know how many years ago, math, that's 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Sure. Um, But he, but there's just things that have just been, ingrained into how we live now that we don't even think about Mm -hmm. that when you're hearing it people probably weren't talking about it as much back then right and then um yeah so yeah it is the stuff he's talking about is universal and a lot of the stuff he's talking about he again he read a lot hours and hours and hours i don't know how he existed because (laughs) because from the amount of time that he spent reading and working out and acting and then also being like a loving father who was like there all the time and played with him on the ground and mm-hmm. joked around with him like like are there enough hours of the day yeah <laughs> did he ever sleep <laughs> probably not <laughs> well but it sounds like it's one of those things though that he understood that the the philosophies come from the everyday experiences and so he was probably formulating a lot of his philosophies while he was doing those things that you mentioned, you know, playing with his children or spending time with his friends or focusing in a, you know, on his religion or his, or his body or whatever it is. And so all of those things, like everything 
everything is a lesson. Right. And that's, that's one of the things that's inspiring is a lot of the stuff he's talking about. You're just like, this is stuff that I've thought about too. So right. a couple of years ago, uh, before I, right after I moved down here, cause I moved down here about three years ago, actually three years, like last week, it was three years. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's very fun down here. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to plot to be on big brother. <laughs> and so I was like, I need a cool video to show them like who I am. That's going to whatever, like that's going to stand out. And so I thought about like, well, I want to be like water because water again can, I'm not taking his quotes, but it can move and it's powerful, but it's also soft, but it's also, it can adapt to everything and it's strong Yeah, and it's everything. So (laughs) I tried a few things and I even the pool in my apartment complex, I took the phone and like held it up in front of me and then fell back into the water to be like, I am water. And then fell back into <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> I never submitted the video. No? Because I never finished the video. Mm. But it was just one of those well, things. Water's, like, water's patient. Water's patient. Water takes you know? its time, Water too. just gets where it's going when it gets there. Exactly. Um, and so I was like, yeah, this is great. But people were like, no, nah, it's, it's all right. It's not that great. And I'm like, no, it's, I feel like it's pretty accurate. Yeah. And then next year, I listened to this, and his major quote is, be water, my friend. I'm like, what? And I'm not like retconning my life to be like, I'm like Bruce Lee, but right. But, uh, it was just one of those things that he said things and it was inspiring to know that his daily life, that's where he got his inspiration. Yeah. And to be able to translate that into in my daily life, I can take inspiration from stuff that happens. Right. Yeah. He made it, it's, he makes it accessible so that you can adapt it to whatever situation that you're in. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you know, uh, you know, I don't want to ask anything that you're unfamiliar with, but do you sort of know his background and history? Like as far as, you know, where did he come from or what was he doing that he was able to spend the time kind of developing this philosophy? Yeah. So I know a little bit, I know enough about it Mm -hmm. to get by. Sure. Uh, but he came, he, he was born in Hong Kong and he was a child actor Oh, so he started acting young. Yeah, he started acting young. He was a child actor. And then he wanted to come to America. Um, and he came, no, his, I think his parents came to America. So he, he was an actor, but he came to America and he had quit acting. And he wanted to open up his own uh, gyms because he had his own philosophy. Um, it came from Wing Chun, which is, it's a martial arts style that you kind of use the opposing person's force. Mm-hmm. As like helping your own, pretty sure on that, and uh, and so he created his own thing, which is Jeet Kune Do, and he wanted to open up gyms to kind of spread his philosophy. But then he realized later that if he's doing that, other people are teaching what he wants them to teach, and so it's not. It's gonna some of it's gonna get lost in translation. Mm-hmm. So he thought about he was like, well, I was a child actor and I enjoyed that, so I'll turn to acting and create movies that I can spread what I want to say oh, wow. to the public. So that's why he turned, he turned into a writer and an actor. And then he faced a lot of adversity in, um, in Hollywood. Cause he's Chinese and right. he's Chinese in the sixties and fifties. And that's not back then. They were not very accepting. of that. No, or at the very least they weren't very nice about it. Right. So yeah. I, I think he came over like later in his life when he more 
because he was Cha Cha Champion of Hong Kong when he was eighteen. So <laughs> Cha Cha Champion. Champion. It's just I like, love he, that. I just want to see him on Dancing with the Stars because he would just crush it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like not not to not to beat the metaphor into the ground, but I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it's water. It's amazing. Yeah. It, I mean, it would be amazing. Like his, dude's got moves. Dude's got moves, and he even wrote. Um, this is what I was writing down before we started. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had this idea of what he wanted to accomplish because he was all about goals, um, setting goals, not necessarily attaining them, mm-hmm. but just setting them. Yeah. So having something to work towards, even if you didn't get there, you still are doing something to progress forward. Right. Um, and that was another one of his major things is walk on, but I'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to divert too much, but he had his quote, um, no, he wrote it down and he stamped it and he like made a promise to himself that said by 1980, I will be the best known Oriental movie star in the United States and will have secured $10 million. Wow. Yeah. It's a pretty lofty goal. Yeah. But he also followed it up with an action. He wasn't just a dreamer that was like, I'm, I'm going to get this. I'm going to be the biggest movie star and make $10 million and that's it. People are just going to give it to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He followed it up with, and in return, I will give the very best acting I could possibly give every single time I'm in front of the camera and I will live in peace and harmony. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. So even though he had goals, he understood the give and take between the two of them. He understood sure. that if you want to get something out of this, you need to do something uh, in return. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It reminds me of um, it remind, the, the story of Jim Carrey which is, I think, fairly well-known at this point, but um, that Jim Carrey kind of had a similar thing when he was young and growing up poor, that he, like, went up on a, you know, a mountain or a side of a hill or something, and he was kind of looking down over his town and, um, you know, grew up poor and, and all of these things, and I think he wrote himself a check um, for $10 million or whatever, or a million, whatever the number was, um, and and basically promised himself that he was going to be able to cash it, you know, within a, a certain amount of time. And then, of course, he became Jim Carrey and was able to do it. Um, but I'm, you know, and I'm, I don't know, th- I don't know that he had that second part though. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know, yeah, that's the part of the stories that get lost. Like he probably he might have, right? But he never wrote that part down, and that's just as important as having the first part. It's exactly, like because that's amazing too. You make yourself a promise of you know what, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to go for. Right. And I'm going to do what it takes. But you also have to write down the do what it takes part. Because yeah. Because you can't just be vague and just say do whatever it takes because what does that mean? Well, and I think, that gets, I think that gets lost too often where, you know, especially these days where it's it's very easy to, you know, not to not to get on my soapbox or anything, <laughs> but it is, you know, we do live... It's actually standing up on a soapbox <laughs> Literally, right I'm getting my soapbox out. Um, but we do, we do live in a time and a culture that does sort of um, value celebrity over almost everything else, mm-hmm. if not everything else. And so there is, you know, it's almost like there is an expectation of, I'm going to get my 15 minutes of fame, if not more. You know, with reality television, with podcasts, with all of these things, it's just like, you, I'm going to have my voice heard, right? But and, and what gets lost too often is, what, what am I willing to do in order to, to get that? Right. You know? Um, and I think it's because there's just there there tends to be an expectation of like, well, yeah, of course, of course, I'm going to get this. Right. I, I deserve to be famous. Because now anybody can be on YouTube. Any can anybody can be 
anywhere and even on TV they're like, "Oh, I want to be an actress or an actor because they're making tons of money." Right. Yeah, they're also working really hard. Right. There's I can't remember when it happened, but there was a time when I was watching a movie or I was watching a TV show and I was like, "This is really good acting." But also that's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> like cuz they're they're portraying a character that's not them that they're working really, really hard on. Yeah. And some people are like, oh, no, they just went and they said some lines in a certain way. It's right, like, right. It's like, no, do you see the emotion that they're like giving off? Like, yeah. Show anger right now without being like a character about right. it. Right, make me believe it. Yeah. But I also, and I also think too, when you see things, you know, and obviously we are coming from more of a performance standpoint and stuff, so we kind of understand the way that it goes. But when I hear stories about like overnight, you know, successes or, you know, things like that it's like nothing is ever overnight right that person worked for years and years exactly. doing regional theater or auditioning for commercials or you know it's like just because you've never heard of them doesn't mean that well, they, like, they weren't working their ass off it's for like, uh, you know the last decade best new artist for the grammys half of them been doing it for 20 years and right they're like, i'm not new <laughs> yeah. i have 10 cds everybody's yeah. been buying them in my concerts like they're not new they're just new to the radio they're yeah. new to you i've been doing this yeah like i know what i've been doing yeah and yeah once you once you see that and understand that things get i don't want to say more clear but it, things get more difficult more challenging and more interesting in my point because it's right it's not just anybody's up there anybody can do it you're like oh I got to work it. It right. gives me something to to work at. And that you, to where you, when you get there, you're not like, yeah, like you said, yeah, I'm here. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's where I was supposed give to me, be. Give me my stuff. Yeah. Where's, no, my, you, you where's pre- my gift bag for being on the walk on this TV show? <laughs> right. I'm out of here. Yeah. Hopefully they're there with that comes a level of appreciation, you know, but also, and, and, but, but, and, you know, if it doesn't become more clear, once you understand that thing, at least it takes the pressure off. I feel mm-hmm. of, you know, if you don't succeed, then you're, you're a failure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or if you don't, like you said, if you don't reach that goal, then you're automatically a failure. And one of the quotes that he has is, uh, success means doing something sincerely and wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, that kind of redefines my version of success because success isn't, you get to this and you're done. Right. Success isn't achieving your goal. Success is doing things sincerely and wholeheartedly. Yeah. If you're doing that, it doesn't matter what your goal is, you're succeeding. The only way you're going to fail is if you give up or if you just do it for the show and don't like understand why you're doing it. Yeah. And he was, again, he was a big proponent of understand why you're doing things. His his martial arts that he developed is Jeet Kune Do. Mm-hmm. And the, the motto, the tagline for it, I don't know. I can't think of the word. The credo? Yeah, the credo, his <laughs> his mission statement. Or whatever, sure, there you go. Is um, is having no way as using no way as way, having no limitation as limitation. But he mm. can't. But he also followed that up with, you have to know the rules to break the rules. Right. So people would come into Jeet Kune Do thinking, oh, I don't have to have a certain way to do it. I can just do it. There's right. no limitation, so I can just do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And. Ooh, you can't do that. Yeah. You have to know the reason he did it is because he went from Wing Chun, which was about like using other, using, doing all these other things and all these moves to Jeet Kune Do has a very small playbook of punches and kicks, mm-hmm. but he's also the same guy who said, fear not the guy, fear not the man who practices a thousand kicks one time, but the man who practices one kick a thousand times. Right. 
Actually, you know what's funny? I just heard that quote like a week and a half ago. I'm telling you, Touche Universe. <laughs> that's that's my motto. Touche Universe is the appro- is the universe's appropriate response to something. Yeah. So like, if you're ever thinking about a TV show and then it like comes on like an hour later, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, that episode is exactly what I was thinking about. That's so weird. Like, right. That's Touche Universe. Touche Universe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you're blowing my mind right now because with that last one, I can see how suddenly, um, how it relates to improv, especially. Um, because I, I feel, you know, that that's something that, that, that to me is always just innate in the teaching of, of improv, which, to bring it back again, is a lot like water. You mm-hmm. know, you have to go with the flow. You got you to gotta learn how to adapt and adjust. But it is also like you have to know the rules to break the rules. Mm-hmm. And too often you see, especially new people, come in and they just want to break the rules because they saw it happen. Right. And they saw it happen and it worked. And so they go like, oh, there's no rules to this. You know, and it's funny when people come up and they go, well, don't you make it up? Why do you rehearse? Yeah, why do you practice? You're going to practice to be funny? What are you practicing? (laughs) You're just making it up in the moment. And it's like, yeah, but there's there's rules. There are things that make it better and not so good. Right. You know, and 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 you see people come in and they go like, well, will you you asked all questions when I saw you? Why can't I? And it's like, because I understand why you're not supposed to. Right. And therefore I can break that rule and still make it work mm-hmm. because at any moment I can bring it back to, <laughs> to the yeah. stuff that you works. Know, yeah. You, if it doesn't work, you can reel it back in. You have control of it, which is exactly what you need in improv. A lot of times, which people don't think is control. You need to have control of yourself, control of the audience. And if you don't have that control, even if you're not showing it completely, like if you don't have it, you lose everything. And then you're just out there floating around right in water, in the dangerous kind of water. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Right. But uh, yeah, I've had friends that are like, I'll tell a joke. And then they don't really laugh because I think that's, I think it's hilarious mm-hmm. and technically it's a good joke, but, <laughs> but it's just not a funny joke. Yeah, and they're like, "Would you learn that in comedy school? Is that what they're teaching you?" <laughs> like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm learning. I'm learning how to tell that one specific joke one specific at this joke. one time because I knew I was coming to this basketball game. Well, you know, fear not the man who tells a thousand, a thousand jokes, jokes once, <laughs> but one man who tells a thousand. <laughs> I think I've told this one joke probably about eight hundred times, so I'm getting close to a thousand. You're times, almost so. there. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, if you can see, I have a whole page on the stuff that relates to improv. Well, okay. So we can delve into that. I love that. Uh, the biggest one is awareness. Choiceless awareness is what he called it. Okay. And that's having an awareness in the moment as things are unfolding, but not making a choice or judgment one way or another about whether it's good or bad. Okay. I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that again. Having awareness in the moment as things are unfolding, but not making a choice or judgment one way or another about whether it's good or bad. Okay. So that's just about sort of accepting the moment as it is. Right. But not judging it. Right. That's be in the moment. Be in the moment. Let things happen. And don't judge it as good or bad. Like, oh, man, that was a bad thing that happened. Oh, that was a good thing. It was a thing that happened. Right. So react to it or don't react to it or take it as it is. One thing that's always struck me um, when I was in grad school um, you know, because when we think about judgment and we, we generally think of it as from the negative standpoint, I didn't like that. Oh, well, you're judging it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or whatever it is. That's bad. Um, and I remember in grad school one time I watched a classmate of mine who was very talented um, from Orlando, but or central, I think from Orlando, central Florida, um, doesn't live here anymore. But she did this scene and it was wonderful. And I went up to her after she was done and I was like, that was a great scene. And she looked at me and she goes, please don't judge me. <laughs> and I went, what? I'm not. 
And she goes, yeah, you are. You, you, you know, you're, you're putting a value on it. Yeah. And I'm like, but it's, but I said, it's good. And, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. She wasn't being like a bitch or anything, yeah, yeah. you know, or she wasn't being difficult, but I mean, genuinely, she just was like, that's also a judgment. And it, and it, I, I had to step back and be like, holy crap, it is, you know, which is not to say that I don't call anything good or bad right. anymore, but it yeah. was just like, it, it opened my eyes in terms of like, oh yeah, I guess that's a value judgment too. We just don't think about it as much because it's positive, but, but that can also in the same way that we call something bad and judge it, that can also, uh, restrict us or put up, put up a wall in, in, in a way that, you know, if we were to just live in the moment, we would be more readily available to just kind of go with the moment. Right. Cause that's, that's also the same thing is if she gets up there and she does something that's really good and you're like, man, that's really good. Then that almost becomes like the bar that's set. So the right. next person who goes up, you're like, man, you were really good. This person wasn't as good as you, but they were, they could have been <laughs> right. just as good or they could have been bad right. and they were bad. But if you say they're bad, then the next person comes up and you're like, you're judging it off that one. So right. Or by calling something good, you're almost saying like, um, we should be satisfied with this. Right. You don't have to work anymore because we're, we're satisfied. Do that. Every time you're on stage, right? Don't change a word. Yep, yep. You can stop working. Yeah. And it's like for her, it was like, no, I'm going to continue to improve this. That being said, people don't stop giving us compliments. We appreciate the compliments. Yeah, no, love yeah. compliments. Love don't compliments. get me wrong. Don't uh, get me wrong. Love it when you say the stuff that I do is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was just her. Yeah, that's that not was just me. This one girl. But it would, but it, oh, but it did, it did. I think about that sometimes when I when I think like, oh, I like that. And I'm like, am I judging it? Yeah, yeah, but positively. Right. And that's, and that's if you're aware of what you're doing then it's, and that's where Bruce Lee is so heady because he's almost like a contradiction of everything he says contradicts itself in itself, mm -hmm. but it doesn't because you, the more you listen to it and more you know about it, the more you understand that it's not a contradiction. It's just both. Right. Everything is and isn't. And when I, like when I got, when I f realized that and like fully took that in, I was like, what? Well, huh? <laughs> Everything is and isn't at the same time. Everything's good and bad at the same time. Everything is happy and sad at the same time. Like, it's yeah. all the same thing. Um, not the same thing, but it's just it's just all, everything is and isn't. It is. And, and once you start to... And it isn't. Right. And once you start to place it in a box of it is or it isn't, right. then it becomes a judgment. And then it becomes like, well, are you sure it is? Because right. what if it's not? Yeah. And that was very heady thing to think about but it's one of those things that the more you listen to it, the more you think about it it becomes a little clearer but it never becomes fully clear yeah which is again going back to what he talks about is you can never reach full mastery of a thing you're never gonna he basically says if you fully understand something you don't understand it right like yeah if you fully understand it you don't understand it because there's stuff that you can learn. There's new things, yeah. different ways and thinking. Well, and to bring it back to improv, since that's what oh, we're yeah. talking Here about, uh, TJ and Dave, you know, they always, they say, you know, everybody's striving to do the perfect scene, yeah. um, but you're never going to be able to do it. And the moment that you do the perfect scene, then, then you what should, do you do? Then you should quit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, up. but none of us quit because you're never going to do it, but you should always be striving for it. Right. And uh, so another things uh, that he said about awareness, do not condemn or justify Awareness only works if it is allowed free without interference. Free if works if it is allowed free play without interference. Mm. So that word play is pretty important. Yeah. That I thought was an improv. Yeah. Then he also says awareness leads to discovery. Discovery leads to uncovering your potential. Being aware of what's going on lets you see what's around and then you discover. And in improv, one of the rules is don't invent, discover. Right. Be aware of what's happening. Say it. 
and that can discover something in a scene and go from there. Yeah. Wow. Um, he's like, he's like the, uh, the Chinese Del Close. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they would be, I don't know if they'd be best friends cause Del Close was into drugs and stuff, but yeah, that's but true. Bruce Lee was, yeah. And that being said, Bruce Lee had a lot of friends, but Bruce Lee wasn't friends with everyone. Like Bruce mm-hmm. Lee, he was like, we're all the same under, under the same moon and under the same sun. But just because of that, he's like, we, we live in harmony, but that doesn't mean he loved everybody. Right. <laughs> but he also loved a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Sounds like he was pretty realistic about yeah. things. He was very practical and realistic, but also a dreamer. Yeah. Again, is and isn't at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a contradiction himself. That's cool. And another thing he said, uh, do not beat around the bush. Do not take winding detours. Follow a straight line to the objective. Simplicity is the shortest distance between two points. Mm. Like, how is this? Not, like, when I'm hearing this and I'm in class, I'm like, oh, this is exactly. I mean, that's it. <laughs> like, it's. If there's one word that I use over and over in my in when I teach, it's the word simple. It's just I say it simple, simple, simple. It's just not only is it the easiest way, yeah. but it but it's the most it it's it makes the most sense. And it's the shortest distance between what you're saying to what they can say. Exactly. It's the shortest, it, like it's just be simple. Don't yeah. make it too complicated. Because yeah. as soon as you start to complicate it, and that was another thing about adding on. Oh yeah. Um, so he also talked about hacking away at the unessentials, hmm. the inessentials, the unessentials, um, and overwhelming add-ons like overwhelm us. And one of his quotes were, was, um, it is not daily increase, but daily decrease. Hack away the unessential, the chooser, the closer to the source, the less wastage there is. Again, go be simple, hack away at that nonsense fluff, right. and then you won't have any wasted stuff. You're just going for the thing. And what I thought of was that, like, add-ons overwhelm us. Homer's car in The Simpsons. Yeah. And Homer, when, <laughs> oh, was yeah. it Homer's brother? Yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I want you to make the perfect car. It's like, well, people love shag rug. Right. People love beer car. Yeah. They want, like, a dome on this. La cucaracha <laughs> on the horn and, <laughs> yeah. and fins and bubble domes and all sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. And it's like, technically, people want that. Right. They don't want it all at once. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, but, yeah, and then he talks about... Um, awareness uh what watching choicelessly so this goes back to don't make any judgments but just watch choicelessly and in the watching lies the wonder it is not an ideal it is not an ideal end to be desired but watching is a state of being all of being already and not a state of becoming Mm. so it's not an ideal state of watching because you are doing that and you shall always be striving to become something right but in that is where you're going to wonder, like, what could I be doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then to understand, uh, he talked about change a lot and awareness. Uh, one, here's a couple quotes in a row. I do not experience. I am experience. I am awareness. That's cool. To understand your fear and change is the beginning of really seeing. And then don't think, feel. Mm. I mean, that's, that's straight out of UCB right there. Right. Yeah, and, and then another one. I think this rounds out my notes for this page. But <laughs> awareness is never awareness is never exclusive; it includes everything. So again, awareness is not. I'm going to be aware of what's happening. I need to be aware of like just my environment. Be aware of like how did the person walk in? How what the the language the person is saying, the yeah. wording, how they're saying that. Everything, even the bad stuff. Right. Being aware of think bad things happen like. 
somebody yeah. falls and breaks their leg. That happened. Be aware of that. But also be aware. <laughs> but like, don't exclude other people's things. Like, right. Yeah. I don't know. See, I don't even know how to explain that one, but. It's funny because a lot of these are, they, they, they're pretty, pretty much distilled down to his essence, you know? Like when you said, um, it is and it isn't. Like I, I was thinking about it and in trying to verbalize it, I just kept coming back to, yeah, it is. And, and it, it isn't. isn't. <laughs> it's like, no, he nailed it. Yeah. He nailed it. I'm not going to improve on what he said. And what's how you, how you know that he's inspiring and how you know that he is as great as he is. That answer is kind of like, a, uh, on a multiple choice. That's above, uh, the answer that says all the above. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It is. And it isn't. Okay. Well, what about, no, it is, or it isn't like that includes everything. <laughs> yeah. So you're not, he's not wrong. Right. But also he's right. So. Right. It would say it colon one is two isn't three all, all of the above. above. <laughs> Technically, he's not wrong. Both one and two. Yeah. Um, so I mean, obviously, like this is this is interesting for us in an improv standpoint because yeah. it fits directly into something that both you and I are interested in and engage in. Um, how how does it how does it translate then to like everyday life? People who don't do improv people who work in an office or, you know, anything like, does it, does it translate as far as, as far as you feel, um, into all facets of life? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Improv is the lens that I saw it through just because it, I started listening to it when I was going through the classes. I think I started listening to it about the time that I started level one. Okay. And so when I'm doing my first show, um, I'm like, oh, yeah, this and this and this and success means doing it wholeheartedly. And I'm like, yeah, but, uh, but that's the, the lens that I saw it through. But my girlfriend who doesn't do improv, mm-hmm. she sees it every day. She's a teacher, a fifth grade teacher. Uh, she taught middle school and things like that. But lately she's been teaching fifth grade and she applies it directly to those classes to where she was listening to them on the way to her school. And then she would write down on a note, on a sticky note, like one of the lines that stood out from the podcast. And then she has now this whole board of like these quotes and they are inspiring no matter what you need. Like one of them, the one that stood out to her the most that like kind of hooked her in was um, the mind is a fertile garden. So I'm going to read this one. It's a little longer, but mm-hmm. um, the mind is a fertile garden. It will grow anything you wish to plant, beautiful flowers or weeds. And it is with successful, healthy thoughts or negative ones that will, like weeds, strangle and crowd the others. Do not allow negative thoughts to enter your mind, for they are the weeds that strangle confidence. Wow. So, like, your mind is a garden. Whatever thoughts you put in there are what's going to grow. Yeah. And that's the thing that people talk about all the time. But him saying it 50 years ago, 60 years ago, is incredible. To me. Right. It's it, To me, as, as we read more of these quotes, a lot of it comes back down to self-actualization actualization and responsibility for mm-hmm. self not giving you know and I'm, I'm, I'm curious what sort of the social or political climate was either in China or in America or whatever he was experiencing at this time that he was sort of reacting and responding to if there was anything because um, a lot of it comes down to you are in charge of your own destiny essentially mm-hmm. you will you will live the life that you choose you have to work for that. So if you put weeds in your garden, then you're going to have weeds in your garden. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can't, it's almost like you cannot blame anybody else. You cannot blame anything else. 
Yeah. You must take responsibility for yourself and you will live the life that you are responsible for. Yeah. And he's, like I said, he's all about the self-actualization. And one one of his other quotes was, you will never get any more out of life than you expect. Right. And he never expected things to be handed to him. He worked hardcore. Like there's a story, there's actually a story about him. He He got his friend to create a tombstone and he talked about that he was dying and mm-hmm. not physically dying, but just who he was. That was the, that was the moment that that was the death of who he was. And from then on, he was going to be responsible and self and just be more of exactly what he wanted to be. Right. He, he talked about it. Once you're afraid of not dying, then you have nothing to be afraid of. If you're not afraid of anything, then you can do anything. Wow. And so he, he, to sum him up was like, he is, he is the embodiment of his philosophy. Mm-hmm. So everything he believed, he also did. Right. In, you could see like he was just oozing with his philosophy um, to where he literally made a tombstone and put it in his office and was like, yeah, this is my tombstone. I'm dead. But not in a morbid like, yeah, I'm dead inside. Right. But in a, <laughs> I'm <laughs> right. dead inside. Oh, no. But in a way of just like, who I was is dead. Right. And who I will be is who I want to be. And that that's like so empowering and inspiring to hear that. Of course it is. Yeah. And um, that's crazy. But yeah. And then he talks about like, uh, and he talks about like defeat. Like there's so many quotes. I want to say them all. Um, I don't know how much time we have to all of them. We got time. Okay. We got time. Well, so I'll go with this one. Uh, you never get out of life and you expect suffering itself does less to afflict the senses than the anticipation of suffering, which is true. So he focused on like, just do it. And like, don't worry about it. Do it. And right. if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but that's going to be less stress on you than worrying about it for two weeks. Like, Oh, I don't want to start this. I don't want to start it. Right. Just do it. Yeah. And if it fails, it fails. Yeah. This podcast was a lot like that. Yeah. You know, where it was just like, just do the thing. Just do it. You know? And look where you are. And I know here I am talking to Andy. <laughs> here you are. You hit the Bruce top. Lee. <laughs> you're, you're now a master. You hit the top. You're going to quit after this one. That's right. We're peaking, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know a lot of I know a lot of people um, who who sort of tend to stress out because when I when I hear that, what I think about is like future events. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a tendency in in people to, and I'm not saying that I'm above this or past this, no, but yeah, me neither. but I am definitely, you know, my my wife always says, you know, I think even today. She, we were talking about something and she was just like, you're so, you're just so calm. How do you stay so calm? And it's kind of like, I can't control anything except for myself, you know? And so it's like to worry about what somebody else is going to say or what they're going to do in a future scenario. Like I can go only so far as to anticipate what they may do mm-hmm. and plan for that. But then past that, it's like, it's, what do you, you can't do it until you know what they're going to do. What can I do? Yeah. So stressing about it is only ruining my day right now, mm-hmm. you know? It's ruining the moment that it's, you're in It's right ruining now. the moment that yeah. I'm in. And so I'm not observing what's happening around me. I'm not a part of it because I'm thinking about what's going to happen in two days at this meeting with my boss or whatever it is, instead of just going like, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Well, this. All right, am I prepared for that? Great. Let's not think about it again. Right. It's going to happen. It's probably going to cause me stress. Why cause more for myself? Yeah. And I think that's a hard thing for some people to... Oh, it's very difficult to, re- to realize because yeah. you're just like, man, I don't want to do this. Don't want to do this. Don't want to do it. Yeah. And, and you start to have conversa- conversations in your, in your head mm-hmm. with other people like, well, I'm going to go in and I'm going to say this and then they'll probably say this and then I'll say this. And then, you know, and it's just like, 
it's like you, and, you can get so upset or you can get so it's just like why and you know my i'm always just like why right Keep and he, it simple he even had he even had a quote which i didn't write down there's so many quotes he has the podcast i think they're on episode like 115 and a lot of them are like different things but he, they have so many quotes but one of the quotes goes back to that about like um i just lost it <laughs> but uh you were saying yeah what don't anticipate um, don't worry about, oh, just be in the moment. Yeah. I lost it. Just don't, uh, yeah, just don't, I mean, there's, there's no, to me, there's no point in stressing about future events as long as you've prepared for it as best you can. Yeah. You know, whether it be in a meeting or a confrontation or an audition or anything like that, where it's just like, if you can honestly say to yourself, I've done everything that I know that I can. And again, that, that seems to go back to that self-actualization, self-responsibility part, where it's just like, can I honestly say I've done everything that I am capable of right now? Then I have to trust that. Yeah. Then you know? need to go. And, and it's like, I, I, I personally don't understand the whole, oh, the whole point. Did you remember it? I did remember. Good. That's what I was hoping. It's, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. Um, it's basically, he talked about, I can't remember the exact quote, but he talked about, your, you need, he wrote stuff down and he talked with people a lot to get it out of his head. Because when you're in your head, you're not going to learn anything new it's right. the same stuff you have no new information if right things two weeks away you're gonna not get no you're gonna get no information you're gonna not get no information <laughs> yeah uh, you're gonna get no information unless like three days before hey we moved a meeting to five. Oh no what does that mean do they not like me like right it's exactly close to the end of work like does that mean they're gonna fire me and just tell me to go home like yeah. what's gonna happen yeah and so you can't do that and you have to write it down and get it out and you can talk about it with people to get other perspectives mm-hmm but don't obsess about those either because it hasn't happened. It's not right. It it isn't is yet. But it also go. It isn't. It isn't. It isn't is yet. Yeah. It is that. But it also isn't that. It isn't. But that. it isn't that until it is. That. It's Schroding, Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. It is and it isn't. But it also goes hand in hand in my mind with the idea of. Um, oh, see now I've lost it. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to talk about one of these other quotes that yeah, I have, which ahead. is defeat is a state of mind. This mm-hmm. one I like. Defeat is a state of mind. No one is very defeated until defeat has been accepted as a reality. And then he says a couple other things, but then he continues on. Defeat simply tells me that something is wrong in my doing. It is a path leading to success success and truth. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> it uh it definitely like you're not defeated until you choose to be defeated. Right. And that was his thing was he was like, I'm going to die. And that's me saying like, you can't defeat me anymore because I've defeated myself. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like now I can do whatever I want. And again, I know like going back to improv and in real life in, in general, just because you fail at something doesn't mean you're defeated. Right. You can, everyone fails. If you like the odds in you doing exactly what you wanted to do are one in every cha- every other. Right. Like, thing that could go wrong well it's impossible yeah and so why are you beating yourself up over doing something wrong if you do something wrong do it again or right do something else and yeah. see if it it's but it's when it's become like oh man i got the wrong got the wrong milk at the store oh man i'm never gonna be able to drink milk again what am i gonna do <laughs> yeah it's like no it's, dude don't just go ridiculous. get a different one. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and improv's a little different uh, it can be you know and but that's i think but that's the big the greater lesson is that you can almost turn your defeats into, um, you know, uh, moments of empowerment as well. If you are observing and you're not judging in the moment and you're sort of more willing to, 
I think like this this quote suggests, taking the defeats as lessons, you know, right. and and not letting them defeat you, but just going like, oh, okay, minor setback. What can I learn about it? Right. You know, um, and uh, this I did. I remember the thing I wanted to say, but it's not relevant anymore. Okay, so say so you're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, but but it was about being observant. Yeah. Just about I, I what I was going to say was. You know, you you go into a thing and oh, you know they they move the meeting or go oh, God, what does this mean? This must be be the worst. But usually, it's just like if you're truly observant about life around you, then you can really start to anticipate. You know, like human beings only really, you know, they fall into patterns, mm-hmm. and it's very sort of easy with 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 a high degree of accuracy to sort of go like, no, it's probably nothing to do with me. You know, mm-hmm. this is the thing. We have so much ego about ourselves. That it's like, oh, this must be because of me, you know? And it's like, and most of the time, it's not, you know? Yeah. One of the things that I remember hearing growing up was like, um, you know, uh, it's something to do with like, people are so, you, you know, don't worry that other people are like thinking about you or, you know, thinking about you because they're so busy wondering what other people are thinking about them. Mm-hmm. And that always stuck with me because it seems, it seems true where we're all so concerned about what everyone else in the room is thinking about us yeah. that we don't have time to think about each right. other. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And so what the whole thing that you just said brings me back to four different Bruce Lee things. Okay. One wow. uh, is the easiest. The newest episode is about ego boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically explaining like your ego and the outside ego and like stuff like that. So that, I was listening to a little bit of that on the way over. Right. My battery is dying, so I didn't get to listen to all of it. Uh, so I'll listen to it at work. Uh, <laughs> Update it. And then again... When you go into a meeting and you're worried about like, oh, they move this, they move that. Was awareness is all inclusive. It's not. It's yeah. Awareness is never exclusive. It includes everything. So don't just focus on the bad things that happen. Focus on like the fact that they're you're getting you're getting to talk to someone higher up than you. You're getting right to go in and prove yourself. Whether they're going to fire you or not, how you handle yourself, maybe they're like, oh, wow, this person is taking this very well. Like, <laughs> you can't just go in and focus on the bad things. You have to focus on the fact that, like, it's in everything. Right. Um, and then thinking about what other people are thinking about. Um, yeah, that's you're not living in the moment. You're not doing your own thing. Yeah. And that's something that I always say as far as improv is concerned, that if you're if you're you know, your, your number one goal in any scene. And I promise listeners who don't do improv, <laughs> this can be applied to everyday life, which yeah, is why is I love lens that we do it. But, but even improv is like uh, the it's, reason it's that everything. I, that it's, I love it so much is because it is everything. Yeah. You it's, know, um, it's from my first class, I was like, Oh, this is literally life. This is life. <laughs> like this is, this life, is life and not in the way, like I'm so into this. This is life. It's like, no, this is just be yourself. Be right. Life. It's, yeah. Improv is just a heightened version of what we do anyway. Right. Um, I remember, oh God, I hope I remember coming back to this. Uh, I'm going off on a tangent now. Uh, a few weeks ago, I went out to dinner with a, with a gentleman, um, family friend who's very kind, goes, watches my, she's from England, but when he comes to visit, he watches shows when he can, loves everything that I do. Um, very super positive. And we were at dinner, um, and we're just sitting there talking and he kept going, oh, I just can't, I don't know how you come up with that stuff. Like, it's so funny. You know, and I was like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he goes, you know, and then he did the classic, like, I don't, I could never do that, you know. And I just said, I go, you could. And he's like, no, I couldn't. No, I couldn't. And I said, you're improvising right now. Right, yeah. And he was like, what do you mean? And I said, you're making everything that you're saying up in the moment because you're responding to me. 
And that's all improv is. Mm-hmm. It's it's heightened, you know, and it's done for comedic effect sometimes. And, and it can get ridiculous. But it's like ultimately when it comes down to it, it's just about listening. And when you are worried about what everybody else is thinking or what the audience is this funny what's the end of the scene you know you stop listening to your partner and that's where people get tripped up and and i think that's true in everyday life as well Mm -hmm. if you've ever tried to talk to somebody who's not listening to you it is very difficult it's very difficult When, when you feel like they're talking about something or hearing your words differently and then they're responding to that and then you're like wait what right no that's not at all what i said right but doing? even in the, on the flip side, if we keep going back to this idea of like the five o'clock meeting with the bosses or whatever, if you're not present in that moment, you could miss something crucial because you've already decided for them and for yourself why you're there yeah. and how you're going to respond. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and so you're not listening. And so therefore, you're not able to respond truthfully. And so it's almost like you've decided the fate of that conversation before even going yeah. in. This is going to be terrible. You made it and it when you made it and it is when it was and it wasn't <laughs> right yeah it's, it's, you you put a value judgment yeah. on it and you decided and uh, one of the things you said one of the four things that i remembered and i remember three of them mm-hmm. um was uh about patterns you said something about patterns and um oh here we go now i see it um i have decent handwriting i don't know why i can't read it <laughs> like i as boastful as that is like i have decent it, handwriting pretty good. but i just can't see it yeah. i'm just so Stuck in. You would make a terrible doctor. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Looks like you have this specific thing that I can pronounce exactly how it is because I wrote it down correctly. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, When you're stuck in a set pattern, this is where imagination comes in and asks, what if this is not true? Where can this lead instead? Mm, I love that. And that's the thing is, if you get stuck in a pattern, just buck the trend. Like, if you know, first of all, you have to be aware. Right. You have to be in the moment. And know that it's happening. And then when you know that it's happening, step out and be like, but what if this isn't true? Yeah. But on the flip side, he also has another quote about if you're in the moment and then you, this isn't direct off my notes. This is just from memory. Mm -hmm. But if you're in the moment, but then you stop and reflect on being in the moment, you're no longer in the moment. Right. So you can't do that because then it takes you out of the moment. Then you lost it. Interesting. So you have to be in the moment, like basically on, with no judgment, be in the moment just as it is. Right. Let it happen. And don't go back and be, don't be like, oh, this is happening. Oh, I need to be aware of everything right now. I need to do this and this. Right. as soon as you do that, you're not aware of everything. Exactly. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of it is just like, also, you know, in addition to what I said before, it's about move. It's, it's just about constantly moving forward mm-hmm. and not, not stepping out and stopping. But if you are going to step out, then make sure that you're still moving in a forward direction. Right. And right? his, one of the other big, big things of his life was um, this quote, walk on, which is, so he was really into fitness, obviously. He yeah. had forearms that were like bigger than my thighs. It's like <laughs> ridiculous. He's yeah. so fat. Like his thing was speed. If you watch a video on him, there's not many. Um, he also never competed for points. He never competed. He mm-hmm. always was exhibition because he didn't believe in fighting for points. He believed if he was going to fight, he was going to kill you. (laughs) Right. And that's not an exaggeration. Like if he was going to fight, it's because he had to fight. Yeah. Um, Well, wasn't, isn't there a story where he, like the famous, like he kicked somebody in the chest or something and, um, and killed them probably. Or, or, or like, I I don't think he killed them, but I think he does like significant damage. Yeah. He, I mean, like I said, he has a one inch punch. He stands 
His fist, his fist, is an inch away from your chest. He knocks the guy back at least six feet. Like, he, the guy falls down into a chair and the chair scoots back. Right. That's how strong he is. That's crazy. Like, and then... Listeners, if you're in your car right now, put your fist an inch away from your horn. <laughs> yeah. And see if you can honk that thing. <laughs> yeah. Just an inch. Like, an don't, inch. Don't give yourself two inches. Don't give yourself an inch and a half. <laughs> yeah. Like, give yeah. yourself an inch. Yeah. And and then when the people get mad around you, just be like, Bruce Lee. Right. <laughs> Bruce Lee did it. I bet that you won't be able to honk your horn <laughs> from an inch away. <laughs> Headline news in Orlando Sentinel. <laughs> Cars go crazy honking all over the place. <laughs> Don't know what's happening. You're going to hurt your fist before you honk that thing right. from an inch away. But um, but yeah, he did that, and he didn't believe in fighting for um, for points. He believed in fighting for something mm-hmm. and moving towards something. But I have a thing that I'll say after I say this, which is my original point, the walk on. He worked out a lot, but there was one time when he got too cocky and didn't stretch before workout. So then he went and tried to do um, a squat, and I think it was like 120, 100, it was a, it was a, I don't know that it was a lot of weight. It wasn't a lot of weight. He was just doing squats. Right. Um, and he did something to his back. He twisted, he twisted his back. He did something to his back. Um, and it was a major deal. He went to the doctor. They said, you're never going to do martial arts again. You'll probably never walk correctly again. And you're always going to have back pain. Oh man. You'll never be able to do anything Basically, you'll never be able to do anything again. You're done. Yeah. And he did not accept that. Of like, course. Yeah, of course not. He did not accept Knowing it. Knowing we know about and him. This is when he was young. Like, this This is when he was like, I think this was either during his three movies <clears throat> or before. So he, I mean, he was older than 18, but he was younger than 33. So in the t- mid 20s. Um, but he, the doctor said that and was like, yeah, you're not, basically, you're not coming back from this. You're not doing martial arts again. You're n- never going to do that. You're going to walk with a limp. Mm. Um, and he, like, he studied so hard on the body and muscles and coming back, he created his own rehab plan and followed it to a T. And then he came back and was doing flips and kicks and the same stuff he was doing before. Wow. And he just said, walk on. He was like, do what you need to do. Walk on. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to let this set me behind. Like if something comes up, Walk on, just go forward. Yeah. Because if you're not progressing towards something, you die. As soon as you stop progressing towards something, that's when death. And um, yeah, he talks about like, be pliable when man is living. He is soft and pliable. When he is dead, he becomes rigid and literally and figuratively. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, pliability is life. Rigidity is death. Whether it speaks of his body, mind or spirit, like keep going. And it's not. It's not about what happens that counts. It's about your reaction to it. Yeah. So if your reaction is to be defeated, then you're defeated. And all of his quotes coming back into this thing of he did major damage to his back Mm -hmm. where most people would be like, no. And he was fit and in shape and he was young. Right. But that's like, that's me putting extra stuff on it that doesn't need to be like, it wasn't that. It was the fact that he had this mindset of like, I'm going to find out everything I can about it. I'm going to do something about it. Right. And I'm going to get back to where I was because that's where I want to be. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's no complacency, yeah. you know? And, and again, it just, it, it brings me back to this idea of, of being water where, you know, the, the sort of famous quote that, that, that people associate with water is like, go with the flow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Go with the flow. Just do what everything else, everybody else is doing, you know? be easy but and and it's like yeah that's part of it 
you know, be part of the moment and everything, but also water erodes and it pushes through and mm-hmm. it destroys rocks over time. You know and what I mean? It keeps going. And, and it just, and it keeps moving forward, mm-hmm. but it goes through and it's just like, and again, it, it's that idea of like, it is and it isn't. Yeah. And it's funny. <laughs> and it's funny you said that, like how people take that quote, may take that quote and not fully understand it because he has another quote that I just listened to that episode the other day and they were talking about how people routinely take this, this quote out of context, which is do not pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. And a lot of people take that. They, Shannon Lee, um, she said they stopped posting it on Twitter because they, the responses they would get would be like aggro bro dudes who were like, yeah, suck it up, man. Suck it up. You, you gotta just push through. Yeah. You can't have an easy life. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, no, you're missing the whole point. Like the whole point of Bruce Lee's philosophies was his goal was to attain peace of mind. Mm -hmm. His goal was not to be the strongest person in the world or to do certain. He just wanted to have peace of mind and however he could get there, he was going to do it. Whether it was making jewelry or dancing or doing movies and stuff like that. And so when you hear that, you're like, don't pray that things are easy. Pray that they're pray that you have enough strength to get through them. Yeah. It's all about strength. No, it's about, um, it's, it's not about, it's about one. It's about having the strength to get through those things and not falling back on like, Oh, my life's very easy. But the goal for life is it is to be easy. Like nobody wants, nobody wants a hard life. Right. If you want a hard life, it's because you want to be tough enough. And then once you get tough enough, everything becomes easier. Like, so why would you? Right. So it's not that you want a hard life. It's that you want things to be easier. You're just viewing it from the point of like, oh, I want a hard life. So I'm going to be hard. It's like, okay, well, at some point it's just going to become easy. Right. And then what are you going to do then? Yeah. And a lot of that comes from preparation as well. It's just like, you know, for some reason, this image of, uh, you know, he said he, he wanted peace of mind. And I, and I think of like, I think of him or, or anybody like sitting sort of in a garden, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. but it's like, you don't want the outside, uh, forces to invade. And so you have to build the wall around the garden, but that, that's, that's preparation. That's the work mm-hmm. you gotta, you have, you have to prepare for the bad stuff and have this, have the strength and the, and the sense of self in order to understand that these things are possible and not let that immediately defeat you. But then it's like once once you do the work, then you can enjoy the garden. Right. And it's not a perfect metaphor because it sounds yeah. like I'm saying wall off the world <laughs> and I'm not. But it's like but it's that idea of like, no, 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 you, you have you have to work to earn that peace. But you have to have the the, the sense of, you know, the, the 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 mindset in order to prepare for that. Right. And he was all about doing the work, like one hundred percent. He was yeah. he was into it and ready to do the work. Um and then he's also the the um, idea of yin and yang, uh, yin and yang, yin and yang is there's the masculine side and the feminine side, mm-hmm. and, the, and it's not masculine and feminine as in gender types. It's masculine and feminine as in like strong and then soft. You have to be both. Um, he talked about there's a quote that he has where it's like if you be like the bamboo tree, like the bamboo doesn't break because it bends and it does a lot of stuff. Oaks are gonna fall down. Like with a right, like oaks can fall down easier because they're just sturdy, they're too rigid, and too rigid. You can't be like you said; you have to be pliable. And that's he was every bit strength and every bit masculine, but he was also every bit feminine. Mm-hmm. He was the balance of the two of them. That's he was just balance, and he understood that balance. And it's very, very difficult to have that balance when there's things that happen that pull you in one direction or the other. Right to not react in a way that's going to throw you into full on masculine or full on feminine or 
it's very difficult to do. And that took him a long time to do it. And also like he, like back to your original question at the start of the podcast, like the, the way he got to do that, it was because he was doing movies where he had time to do those things. Right. If he had a nine to five job and he had to go work out for two hours, three hours, and then he had to go home to his family and feed them and play with them. He's not going to have a lot of time, but right. he found something that he wanted to do and he made money at it. And he opened up, he opened up, he did open up two gyms in the Northwest, like in Seattle and, um, and I think maybe in San Francisco, could oh, be cool. wrong. but he did have ways to do that, but he did what he needed to do to yeah. get where he wanted to be. Well, and when you mentioned the whole thing about like, <laughs> he made, he made the promise to himself or whatever that, that he was going to be in movies or whatever. Initially my sarcastic mind, you know, uh, came up with, you know, like, oh, did you, that must be nice just to decide <laughs> to be an actor, you know, but it's like more and more as you, as, as we're talking about him, I realize like, um, no, that's too glib, you yeah. know, clearly he knew what he wanted and he was willing to work for it. And so it's almost inevitable that he becomes Bruce Lee mm-hmm. as we know him, not because of any sort of like fated destiny or because it was just like happenstance it's because he worked he worked for it. Yeah, and that's what they talk about in the podcast. Shannon Lee, his daughter, she even says he didn't. He wasn't born Bruce Lee. He wasn't born the dragon. <laughs> like, yeah, his nickname is the dragon. He wasn't born that way. Yeah. He went to school with other kids. He just, <laughs> right. He nobody on the playground like, oh, that's the dragon. There <laughs> like he this is. fifth grade tough guy. Yeah. Like he worked at it, and he worked at it, and worked at it, and then he became who he wanted to be. And yeah, it just kind of gets lost. So he becomes one of the. Uh, you know, obviously, like we're talking about him still, like you say, Bruce Lee and, and images, pop, like he's still very well known. Um, and, and certainly one of the one of the biggest stars of that era. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he becomes Bruce Lee, the movie star in the way that he did without the philosophy? Or do you think somehow that philosophy and his lifestyle comes through the screen? And almost speaks subconsciously to his audience. I would say no. Without this philosophy, he doesn't become Bruce Lee. He, because he, in his movies, he wrote and directed and acted in three major movies. Mm-hmm. So also, side note, when he came to Hollywood, he did um, he did the Green Hornet. He was Kato. Uh, Kato. Yeah. Yeah, he was Kato. But then he wanted to do more. But they were all like, no, we're not having a Chinese man be a leading role. Like, there's no possible way. You're only going to be a sidekick. You're only going to be like a non, like non-essential character. Right. So we went back to Hong Kong, created movies there, and broke box office records like crazy. And then Hollywood people were like, hey, you want to come back over and like do <laughs> yeah. a movie with us? Like, you yeah. can totally do a movie over here. Hey, suddenly you, we can see how you can make money for us. Right. But he did three movies. And unfortunately, he died during the filming or post-production of the last one. So he didn't get to see that one made. Mm. But... All of his movies and his writings were about his philosophy and he wrote them and then people went back and edited them and then he came up and was like, no, this isn't the point of what I was trying to say. It needs to be this way. And they were like, no, we want it to be this way. Mm. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to not be on this movie. And he full on for like two weeks or a month just didn't interact with them. He like sidelined himself. He never came out. He didn't come out of his trailer. He didn't do, he didn't help the choreography. He didn't do anything. And they were like, you need to come back to the movie. He's like, no, I want it this way. It has to be this way because this is what my philosophy is. And if you don't put it this way, it loses all meaning. Right. And the whole point of me doing this was to do this. So if you want me, you have to put this in there because that is me. Like, I still think he would be uh, popular because of if he still works out and stuff. But even his workout regimens were based on his philosophy, like how 
hard he took things and um, his determination about things. He could probably be really good. Um, but like, I mean, Jackie Chan is great. Right. I don't know that Jackie Chan is going to be a philosopher that people talk about 60 years from now, but they're going to be like, hey, remember that Rush Hour movie? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. He's just throwing himself on yeah. the ground. And like uh, Jet Li mm-hmm. is a great action star, um, but he doesn't really have philosophy to back it up. So I don't think it's out of the realm possibility that he could, but I don't think I don't think he would have done it specifically. I don't think he would have been Bruce Lee. Right. I don't think he would have been the dragon. I don't think that would have... We definitely would have been talking about him six years later. I mean, we probably would have, but in a different context. In a different context. Yeah. Or, or at least remembering him in passing. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, this this next question is, I don't know if it's controversial. I don't know if you're... Oh, everybody, com- hold on to your steering wheels. Ooh, careful, yeah. <laughs> hold on Stop to your Stop punching your horns. Yeah. Um, Listen up. Uh, controversial in the sense, like, I don't, I don't even know if this is... I mean, and you may not feel like you can even speak to it, but it's, you know, it is something that I'm curious about from a philosophical standpoint, not, not anything personal or, oh God, I wish that he would have lived past, but from a, from, from a purely a lifestyle philosophical standpoint, do you think that he, do you think that he died when he needed to? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, I just, it would have been sad for him to see like us now, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like (laughs) it would have been sad to see him when he's, what was that? Third, he was 33 and, 73 and that was 40 years ago so he'd be like 70s now 80s yeah like for him to see people being all about self-image actualization and to see a lot of this um like this a lot of the discourse is Mm -hmm. the word i guess but a lot a lot of the stuff that's going on in the country and a lot of the stuff that's happening especially in movies and stuff like that like he was definitely a man who had like i said he followed his emotions yeah Um, Do you think we lose something when we lose him? And do you think that if, again, this is all hypothetical, do you think that we, um, do you think that if he doesn't take that, that wrong medicine or whatever, or he somehow comes out of it, do you think, do you think the world is different? Yes. I think it's a little, I think it's a little bit different, at least until he gets to a certain age. I don't know exactly what age, Mm -hmm. but until he gets to an age where people start to write him off and people don't accept those philosophies as much anymore because they've heard him forever. It's, it's almost like, um, like with musicians, their first album is insane and off, usually like really great second album. You're like, yeah, I'm excited for this. I want to hear it. And then you might like it or you might not. And then the third album, you're like, mm, okay, well we'll see how it goes. Yeah. His philosophies were so great, but like if he doesn't continue to come up with more, people are going to start writing him off, even though they shouldn't. Right. And the fact that he ended, it's almost like an artist, um, their paintings get more valuable right. when they die young. And yeah, it's because they're never going to happen again. And there's also, it's not getting diluted with other stuff. He could have done more. And then um, when like the nineties happened, the eighties and two thousands and all this stuff happens, like he could have, I definitely think he would still be somebody that you would want to know and you would want around you mm-hmm. and you would want to listen to his philosophies. But I think a lot of people would have just started writing him off of like, Okay, we've heard it. We don't need to hear it anymore. Right. And that's kind of that's kind of bad because it's you don't need to not hear it. You need to continue to hear it. It's just Yeah. yeah so so I would have loved for him to continue. I would love for him to still be alive and I wish I could go and be his best friend. And yeah. like he was he was really good friends with Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Um because oh, yeah. Kareem trained in his dojo and like um in his gym. 
And he was really good friends with these people. And if you hear these people talk about Bruce Lee, they talk about him with such affection and such like admiration. And you're just like, no one that's been around him would be able to not feel that way. Right. But I think it's one of those things like, ah, shut up, old man. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, okay, kids, you don't know who this is. Like, this is the dragon. This is Bruce Lee. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it makes me think of John Lennon a little bit, you know, um, uh, just in that sense of like the message was so strong with Lennon about peace and especially near the end of his life about, you know, having the, the bed in and the, and the, and the things like that, where it was just like this constant call for peace. And then he's sort of gunned down, yeah. um, before, before it's fully realized. And, you know, and there's always that question of like, God, if he, if he had lived, what, what change could he have affected? And, and I, I don't know. I don't obviously don't know the answer, yeah, you know, my answers are purely like, you ask me a question, I'm going to respond to. But because... I have to. I have to believe that honestly. I don't think you know whether Lennon lives or whether Lee lives. Like I don't know that much changes. Yeah. Because we do have examples of people who uh, felt the same way or came through the same experience or time period with with a lot of the same message, which is not. I don't. I can't think of anybody that well, shares like Bruce Lee's philosophy. So not Bruce Lee's philosophy, but like Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. I watched um, a thing on Netflix about, I think it was a PBS special about Bob Hope. Okay. When he... It's not a name I was expecting to hear right now. Go <laughs> you know, on. It's everything. <laughs> it is. Everything it is. It is everything. Um, but uh, yeah, Bob Hope started out, he was poor. He was very, very, very poor. Mm-hmm. Um, watch the documentary if you can. But he was very, very poor. He worked his way up into vaudeville and like worked his way up onto radio and became like this big, well-known person. And he made a lot of jokes and he did a lot of fun stuff and he did USO tours and he got really popular that way. Yeah. And he did a lot of bad things. He did a lot of good things, but like he did a lot of things where he was very popular and admired and a lot of stuff. When he got older, he started to be on TV shows and things where his jokes didn't work anymore. Right. Because either the times had changed or the audience had changed or the audience got older and they weren't the same audience. So he's trying to do the same stuff that he did. And he definitely like was able to, when he was younger, adapt and figure out what, what worked and what didn't work. And right. A little when he was older, but then he got older and people were like, no, we know who you are. Right. We yeah. you can't change anything. Like, yeah, you're trying to make that joke, but it doesn't work. Because, like, we know what you're doing. We've seen it before. We don't want that anymore. We want this. Right. And so he's one of those guys that I'm not saying, like, Bob Hope should have died when he was younger. <laughs> but <laughs> right. I'm saying, like. He would have benefited would have been, from it. Let's just say that. We would that. still be talking about it with admiration. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's No, just, it's, it's easy. Uh, it's but easy. It's, it's one of those things. Like, yeah, you're not. It's You're in a different time. Yeah. And what works then doesn't work now. So. Not to say that what you're doing still isn't great or what you did isn't great anymore. Right. But it's just not the same that people want. Very few very few artists can continue to strengthen their legacy, which is why I think a lot of them sort of drop out. Yeah. You know? And and it's it's fun. Uh, it's fun to sort of imagine what John Lennon would still be doing or like what Buddy Holly would still be doing mm-hmm. or what, um, what Elvis, would, what still Elvis doing. would still be doing or, you know, but it's like, but, but we have those artists. We still have like a Dylan. We still have the stones. We still have people who are from those same times, mm-hmm. you know, where you're just like, Oh, probably nothing, you know, really with, you know, the only, the only person that I can think of, and, and now we're, we're sort of relegating it just to music, but um, the only person that I can think of who's still like staying relevant somehow is Paul McCartney. Yeah. Just came and out he, with a new album. Yeah. 
Paul McCartney, but he had to be in the Beatles. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah, he had exactly to start right. So high up that coming down, yeah, his coming down is still like yeah. where other people. I mean, his out al- his new album just debuted at number one, but it's like, but who else is going to be able to do that? Maybe Bruce Lee. Yeah, you maybe know? John Lennon. Maybe you know, but it's just like yeah, you, you sort of you do you reach an expiration date, and mm-hmm. if you're, I don't want to say lucky enough, so I won't. But if you but if you happen to for whatever the circumstance die young you're almost crystallized mm-hmm. in time of just like you you still you have the message and you have the work behind you mm-hmm. that people can like laud you for it and they love you but you also have the potential that you could never ever live up to and therefore it's all in our imagination right and so bruce lee's potential is so much greater than perhaps he could even have lived up yeah. to and i don't know that he necessarily would have yeah and it's and in his mind he wouldn't have had to because one of his quotes was, I don't live this life for other people. I live it for me. Right. It's, it's a paraphrase quote, but it's, um, it's I don't live it for your expectations. I live it for my expectations or something like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, he wouldn't care. Honestly, that potential would be out there. He'd be like, okay, I don't care. I'm going <laughs> to sure. make this movie and put put the same stuff in it and you need to listen to it. Right. And it, it could tank at the box office. He'd be like, yeah, it's a great movie. Right. Like I did what I wanted to do and that's all. It was success because I did it wholeheartedly and and genuinely and it's such a i mean it's such a great philosophy and and lesson not to not to tie your own success to the expectations of others yeah because as soon as you die you're never gonna because there's always gonna be a group that really really likes you there's always gonna be the other extreme there's gonna be people in the middle there's gonna be people who fall off yeah but the only person who the only person who really it really matters to is yourself exactly and then one step further the only other people is your family and your friends right and you get to choose your friends and your family you're kind of stuck with, but like, <laughs> yeah. if you can make them happy, then that's all you need. You don't need to make uh, Thomas from California, Thomas from Silver Lake, California happy. Like, I don't right. care what he cares. Thank you for getting more specific where Thomas was yeah. from. I was, I, trying get, I was trying to get the smallest, <laughs> like El Dorado Road in, in Silver Lake. I've never been in California, but yeah. like... Take that, Thomas. <laughs> yes, suck it, Thomas. Um, no, this is great. Um, if, there's, uh, if there's anything left that we didn't get to or or a question that you wish i would have asked that i didn't or or anything else now's the time to um, to throw it out there or or more quotes yeah uh Just i want to leave I our listeners through, with some ideas i think i went through most all the quotes that i had i was trying to think of the did uh, you say have you said your favorite one do you have one that sort of you try to live by or that kind of frequently um, pops up when you're feeling a certain way honestly all of them but I kind of like, I like the success one. That's the one that kind of stuck out when I first did it. And then the faith one, because that was the, one of the first ones I listened to, the faith. He said, faith is the spiritual power of man's will. Optimism is a faith that leads to success. Having optimism, enthusiasm, and confidence means that you have a certain amount of faith in what you are doing and who you are, and that things are going as they should. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. So to have faith isn't, I believe in this, and that's it. It's the power of your will, and it's knowing that you have optimism, enthusiasm, and confidence about who you are, what you're doing, and where you are, and everything's going as it should. If it's bad, if it's good, it doesn't matter because it is and it isn't, and then just have faith. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. What more can we say than that? <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it on that. Thank you, Andy, so much for coming down and sharing Thank you this. so much for having me. Oh, this is great. Um, it, it, you know, it makes me want to, like you, just sort of like dive deeper into it. Um, what's the name of the podcast? Yeah, so if you go to BruceLee.com mm-hmm. slash podcast, um, it's Shannon Lee and Sharon Lee 
They're not related, but they both have Lee as their last name, which okay. is kind of cool. Yeah. Shannon Lee is his daughter. Um, it's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It's on all those. Uh, but it's also, if you go to their website, they have it on there too. Yeah. I think it's part of the Nerdist Network now. Um, it's too much information. Basically, go to <laughs> brucelee.com slash podcast. And yeah. You don't have to listen to all of them because I, I haven't listened to all of them. Um, some, of the, some of them have... Some of the earlier ones, I think they stopped doing it a little bit, but they have this moment called the aha moment, A-H, Asians, um, Asian hapas and, I can't remember what it is, it's hapas and, American hapas and Asians. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's people who are from Asia or the Pacific, and they highlight them and and what they've done. So it's really cool, like, learning about that. Yeah. Um, And they're not long, they're like 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Um, You can jump around to the topics that you like, but I suggest listening to at least all the topic ones. Right. Yeah. Well, I think if I had to guess, I think if you went and tried to listen to that podcast, whatever episode you picked would be the one that you needed. Oh, if you listen to, if you listen to an episode, I don't want to make a guarantee. I'm going to make, I'm going to make a guarantee on Brett's behalf. Okay. This is a, this is a, what am I missing guarantee? Guarantee. If you listen to one episode within a week, I feel like you would find a way to relate that somehow and be like, oh, wow. That kind of stands out. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, thank you for opening my eyes a bit. Um, I appreciate you sharing all this with me. Definitely. And uh, I'm glad I got to. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you ever have any updates or whatever, you know, let us know. And uh, you know, be be water, my friend. Be water. My friend. So long. What am I missing? Is edited, produced, and hosted by me, Brett Walden, with original music by Anthony Smith. Special thanks to Andy Ransom, if for nothing else, giving us the phrase, Touche Universe, which really just sums it all up, doesn't it? If you would like to know more about me or listen to past episodes, you can find it all at facebook.com slash whatamimissingpod. If you have any questions, comments, or curses about anything you heard today, you can email me at whatamimissingpodcast at gmail.com. Please make sure to rate us on whatever app you choose to listen to podcasts on, and tell your friends about us, pretty please. Now, here's a preview of next week's episode. Yes, people get uh, upset about Brontosaurus sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's the, it's the Pluto of dinosaurs. Why is that? Um, so, Brontosaurus, uh, um, most of us, uh, if you're our age, you knew Brontosaurus as a kid, but then it goes away and it's, people tell you it's not a dinosaur anymore. Uh, I have discovered in talking to kids these, kids these days, uh, <laughs> in talking to kids, um, most of them don't know Brontosaurus. Really? It's definitely like a generational thing. Oh, wow. Uh, because Brontosaurus stopped being a thing there for a while. Yeah. Um, well, as, uh, as with everything uh, in Science of Dinosaurs, it's more complicated than that. Thanks for listening. <laughs>